Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard. Our guest this week is Jen Sincero. She is author of, I'm only going to say it like this once, so if you have a problem with the word A, with, with, with a certain bad word, uh, bad A habits, right? But we're going to use the actual title of her book as we go through the uh, the episode, so just you know, just be forewarned if you have a problem with with bad A, being a bad A. Uh, so she is the author of the new book, Badass Habits, uh, which is uh, which is all about how to take find you the deepest desire of your heart and develop the habits that turn it into reality. She is obviously the author of the New York Times bestseller and perennial seller, You Are a Badass. She is Jen Sincero. I'm very excited to deliver this to you. If you would like to see meaningful change in your life, if you would like to see yourself go from the place you are right now to the place you deep in your heart believe you are always meant to be, this is the interview for you. This is the interview you should be sharing with your friends. So again, Jen Sincero, very excited. Uh, before we get to that, uh, I am going to do two quick pieces of intelligence that you guys can take with you, share, do whatever you want to do. Uh, but even before that, a quick word from our sponsors, including Rocket Mortgage. This part of Intelligence for Life, the podcast, is presented by Rocket Mortgage. When you need an expert to help navigate the home loan process, Rocket can. Once again, quick thank you to our sponsors. Uh, in a second, again, uh, Jen Sincero is going to be with us. But first, a couple quick pieces of intelligence. First up, N Yale neuroscientists decided to dig into the challenge of determining the connection between slow eating and weight, and weight loss. We've talked about this before. The scientists from Yale built 3D models of the human throat, mouth, and nasal cavities to better understand airflow during eating. The result, our pace of eating directly impacts how much air reaches the small receptors in the nose. For example... When we gulp down food, we inhale through our nose and mouth, and that drags scent molecules from food directly into our lungs, bypassing our scent receptors. But when we chew slowly, we mostly inhale through our nose, allowing scent molecules to accumulate in our throat, so food aromas have a more pronounced effect. That matters, because flavor actually comes from the way food smells. In fact, if you pinch your nose while eating, you'll find most foods taste bland. That's why eating slowly makes food smell and taste better. And when food is more flavorful, we naturally eat less because we become satisfied faster. And that's weight loss. That's how you lose weight. Okay. Uh, if you're like me, you have the winter blues right now. It's, it's bad for me. Uh, here's how researchers say we can beat them, uh, even as they are being amplified by the pandemic, being stuck inside. According to the consumer research firm Civic Science, 27% of people surveyed say they felt the winter blues more acutely this year than last year. Of course, that makes sense, but Wake Forest University has now done more research on the effects of anticipation on people who have been quarantining. They found that positive anticipation of a future event was related to more control and motivation in their life. And hotels are seeing an opportunity in this environment, and they have been putting together aggressive special offers, knowing that there's pent-up demand in people who are anxious to lift their spirits. For example, many hotels are actually offering getaways for locals, people that live in the market with reduced rates. The Ritz-Carlton, for example, in Atlanta is offering a study buddy program while parents work out uh, of their hotel room. Kids can attend virtual classes and other activities with a dedicated counselor. Cruise ship companies are experiencing record demand for trips in 2022, people reserving their spots for their future vacations. So anticipation, that's the key. It's a powerful way to get us through these times. Having something to look forward to will always be linked to feelings of happiness and positivity. We know that. We know that it's going to help us out. So again, folks, uh, you know, take advantage of some of the deals out there. Create some anticipation to get rid of the winter blues. I know I'm actually doing some of this myself, getting ready for when things open up again, uh, thinking of the trips that I'm going to take. So folks, without further ado, very excited to bring you 
my interview with Jen Sincero. Jen Sincero, I mean, you know, you've done so many things, but we're here to talk about your newest book, Badass Habits, Cultivate the Awareness Boundaries and Daily Upgrades You Need to Make Them Stick. Thank you so much for being a part of, of the show today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to be here. Uh, so, I mean, you you you're bad. Uh, you are a badass, which was your your first book, or or your or your biggest book. I don't know if I, if it was your even your first, but it was was a huge, huge uh, success. And it's all about positive self talk uh, and how to how to leverage that into into being into being uh, the best version of yourself. Uh, why why do you feel the need to follow it up with with this thing? Hmm. Because I felt like, you know, and because I felt like once I've written a whole bunch of books now on in the badass series about money and you're a badass every day. And and I feel like those are mainly focusing on your mindset. And I was like, well, let's get all that stuff in habit form and get it down, you know, get it on autopilot. So I'm so excited to to have this be the next book in the series because, you know, your thoughts be- create your beliefs, your beliefs create your words, your words create your habits, and your habits create your reality. So mm. I was like, well, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I love the subtitle of the book, Cultivate the Awareness Boundaries and Daily Upgrades You Need to Make Them mm. Stick. What I like is the awareness. Because I feel mm. like, uh, and I've, I've talked to other people uh, who sort of write in your space before, mm. and and one of the first steps in all of this is is this idea that how much of our life have we put on autopilot where we don't even mm. realize what our habits are doing uh, and how they are moving our lives? Pretty much all of it. Right. <laughs> really? Yeah. So how do we begin to how do we begin to unpack that? Like yeah. how do we begin to become aware? Uh, you know, your first chapter is who you're in the habit of being. How do we right. become begin to come become aware of what our habits are making us and what our true desire is for our lives? Because a lot of us can't seem to separate that. Right. You know, it honestly is just making the conscious choice to be, you know, to, to, to start noticing, you know what, I'm really unhappy about these certain areas of my life. So perhaps I'm going to step back and notice what's going on with my thoughts, beliefs, and words in, in these specific areas, because if, if they are sucking, I, you know, that's a really good place to start. Right. So you, yeah. yeah, So, I mean, but I guess the question becomes like, how do we, I, I, I have it, I have a hard time mm. separating the thoughts that I have, the thought patterns that I engage mm. in on a regular basis, uh, whether negative or positive from who I am. So mm. be, beginning to become aware of that is, is, yeah. is kind of difficult. Yeah. Well, so, so I always recommend, um, picking, you know, just picking one area cause we can get really scattered and overwhelmed unless we do that. So just pick one area that would just be an amazing place. If it's your romantic life or your financial life or your career or whatever it is, or, you know, basically I think start with what you complain about most. I think that's always the best place to start. Right. 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 And, and, and then sit down and write stream of consciousness, what your beliefs are about romance or money or your ability to find a job you love, or, you know, just sit and write all, all the good and the bad and really push yourself, especially when you think, well, I've written everything I can think of. That's when you need to keep going like mm-hmm. another page or two, because that's when it's really, you know, going to start kicking in. And then, um, and then, and then there on the page will be what your thoughts and beliefs are staring back at you. It can be a very sobering exercise. 
Yeah. Yeah, man, look, I'm a big I'm a big fan of the notion of journaling and the big fan of the um idea of just of how you can connect to yourself that way. I mean, uh, so many writers and uh, have have talked about exactly what we talked about where the real progress comes at the at that point where mm. you are where you think you're done. You know? Right? It's when you're flat out and spent usually that <laughs> that the most awesome things happen. I mean, really that's when we tend to like turn our lives around when we're just laid out flat, you know, it, mm -hmm. it's when we're, it's cause we're vulnerable and we're receptive. We sort of emptied everything out so then we can receive the information. We're sort of a blank slate. So, okay. So we, we do that. We get our blank slate out there. We get everything written down. Uh, and we sort of, we see staring back at us, this notion of who we are, uh, that mm -hmm. maybe we didn't realize. And now, now I, I love this cause we've taken, essentially we've taken, those sort of innermost thoughts, that inner monologue that, that shapes who we are, and we've put mm -hmm. it into our consciousness. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, okay, so what? <laughs> then what? <laughs> then what? Yeah, exactly. Okay. How no, do we I turn that this. into habits? <laughs> so then, um, okay, you know what? I'll just, I'll just use myself as an example. So Great. back in the day, I, you know, my big transformation, my whole entry into all this self-help stuff was because I was a financial train wreck. And so I started, um, you know, I, I, I did this great exercise where I wrote a letter to money as if it was a person and, you know, and so I was like, money, I love you. I wish I had more of you, but I don't trust you. And I feel filthy when I even think about wanting to make lots of money. And, mm. you know, there's all this push pull going on and, and through the journaling and everything, I realized that the, you know, I had lots of issues around it, but the ones that were the most painful and the ones that brought up the most emotion, and this is what I want everybody who's listening to really focus on the ones that you're really just like, Oh, that's it. Like that gets me where I live. That's what you're looking for. Cause it's all about emotion at this point. Mm. So the, the most painful thing to me about being broke and, the th and, and about like my ability to make money was that I, it was going to be really, really hard. I was going to have to do stuff that I hate, um, that I was just like, that it was just going to be an uphill climb that I wasn't able to do it, that I was just like being suffocated by my inability um, and that I just physically wasn't able to do it. I literally thought of people who made lots of money almost as if they were a different species than I was. So through, I actually have this whole process, um, in badass habits. Um, and it, it's in the, um, I do a 21 day sort of course in the book about how to, it, how to form good habits. And it starts out with the first day is writing a mantra. And so part of writing a mantra is writing all your negative beliefs and thoughts down and then picking like the top three or four most potent ones and flipping them around. So for me, you know, I turned all of my most negative things into the mantra that money flows to me easily and freely. So for me, it was about ease and freedom and flow. Like it was, I, cause it was such a gorilla on my neck, you know, my, I just couldn't get out from under my own crap about this money stuff. Mm -hmm. So money flows to me easily and freely became my new mantra. So that's where I recommend people starting is by figuring out what you've got going on finding the most potent objections to your ability to be, do, and have what you desire. And then 
through a, a process of, you know, just writing stuff out, find specific words that make you feel great. And, and, and this is something really important about the mantra writing process. You do not have to believe it at first because money flows to me easily and freely. I was living in a garage in my forties, driving around in a car with no grill. Like money was not flowing to me easily and freely at that time. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, that mantra filled me with so much excitement and hope and just, I could breathe. So does that make sense? Like that's what we're going for. It it does. So you so you you figure out what these. Uh, I mean, not to just to keep making this a formula, but I I I think it's important. So we figure out what these sort of in interior monologues that we have that is affecting our self perception. Mm-hmm. We look at the which parts of the interior monologue hurt the most, and mm-hmm. we flip those those statements. I'm not good enough. I can't I can't make money. I think money is evil. And, you know, for, to use your example, and we and mm-hmm. we flip them into this idea that that money relationships, whatever, will flow to us. And we get into and um, we flip the notion and then we just repeat that notion over and over and over again to reshape our thoughts. Is that the beginning? That is the beginning. And and the important thing is you've really got to listen to what you're saying and you've got to feel it because it's we are emotional creatures. We are motivated by emotion, often more than logic especially if you're me. Right. So, so that's what we're going for because what's going to happen is you are going to meet challenges. You are going to mess up. You are going to let your old beliefs, thoughts, and you know, 40 years of proof that I suck at making money mm-hmm. come back in. Right. So the emotion of this is what is going to, is going to let you blast past all of that. Cause it's going to happen. There's no way that you're just immediately going to start saying this and magically you're going to start believing it and feeling it. So it's a muscle, right? So yeah. No, so I, I'm always saying, yeah, you go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I just, I firmly believe that our logical mind, especially things that we have an emotional feeling about nine mm-hmm. times out of 10 uh, are just there to justify our emotional experience and not to actually be a logical mind. That we oh just my God, use, that's so true. Yeah, we, we just <laughs> yeah. use the prefrontal cortex to to uh, you know to explain how we feel in a way that makes that makes us not feel bad about it. Oh my gosh, so so true. Yeah, I mean, believe me, my logical mind has done me lots of great big favors. Right. So thank you very much. Like it's not all bad, but I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. So we are we are absolutely motivated motivated by emotion. So we we just keep you know keep attached to that and slowly but surely the belief will start to catch up with it the longer you stay in that vibration. And I can keep talking about this if you want, or I will stop talking if you would like to ask me another question. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I want to keep talking about this, but I I, uh-huh. I, um, I actually really believe, I mean, uh, it, it comes through a lot of different faith traditions, like even um, even C.S. Lewis talks about it in, in where, where when you're first learning to pray, you should do it out loud and in private. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, so my question to you is, cause I, and we've talked about this a lot on the, uh, uh, on the radio where, where the idea of self-talk needs to actually be out loud because it makes a big difference in how your brain processes it. You actually engage mm-hmm. more of your brain. You're getting your, your, um, your language portion of your brain going to say the words and you're getting the, um, the auditory reception part of it to hear the words. It actually, it, it lights up more of your brain with this idea. So do you believe that when you've written this all out, when you've got your mantra done, that you need to be saying it out loud uh, all the time consistently? Absolutely. And, and when you can't be saying it in your head, you know, just be saying it all the time as much as you can. Yes. Because you don't want to look like a crazy person around your friends. 
Yeah. But you know what? When back in the day, I didn't care. I was just like, I am so sick and bored of being broke that I'm going to say, care what you say. But yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So you get this idea that, you know, for you, it was, it was money flows to you. Um, now, uh, I, I love that. And I think that's really important. And I think I know from my own experience that when we can start to alter that subconscious perception of ourselves, we can begin to make life change almost subconsciously, right? You start to internalize that and it happens. But um, but I also know there's a lot of people who pick a mantra, pick a notion, they sit on their couch and they don't really act on it and they don't act as though. So how do you right. how do you begin to turn that for people that are just like, yeah, I've got my mantra. I do it every day. And yet they're, they're, they're not breaking up those patterns that, that lead them to that place. How do you begin to turn that into action? Well, I mean, wouldn't that be wonderful if we could just all sit around on the couch and speak and our manif fantasies? Manifest things, right? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you have to want it. You have to be willing to do whatever it takes. And I talk a lot about this in all my books, that there's a very big difference between wanting and deciding. So you know, wanting anybody can do. And I think what happens is a lot of times we fake decide, you know, we, we, we make this fake decision that we're doing whatever it takes. And then the second it gets too hard or too embarrassing or too expensive, we excuse our way out of it. Right. We come right. Up, our logical brain steps in and tells us all the reasons why it's really irresponsible or, or stupid or not important to do whatever it is that we need to do next. So it's about that decision and it's about getting in the game and, um, you know, just doing the things you have to do. And I, and I, I feel like, um, our fear is the best compass. So when you're making a, a, a real decision to change your life, when you get that idea, like when you say, okay, universe, I'm here, I'm ready. I'm saying my mantra, show me the way. Cause I don't know, I've never done it before. Right. I'm stepping mm -hmm. into new territory. So show me the way. You will know you are on the right track the second you get an idea or an opportunity that you really don't want to do. That's exciting, but that you're just like, oh my God, double my rates, go up and talk to that super hot person. You know, like whatever, whatever comes to you that you are scared of or that you're just like, oh no, please, please don't make me do that. That's exactly what you need to be doing because if you're not scared, you're doing something wrong when it comes to changing your life. So you're flipping the fear on its head and starting to do that. Uh, uh, I mean, I, what I what I get from this too is if you're not doing the work that we've talked about already, where you are moving those subconscious fears and thoughts to the forefront, and you're beginning to try to change what 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 um, you're trying to change how you perceive yourself in that, then when you get scared, you won't you won't even know where what the fear is unless you're doing that stuff. You won't even realize that you're in that fear zone. Exactly. You'll, you'll, you'll like, like, so for example, for me, when I made the decision to, to focus on making money, one of the first things, you know, I was going to all these motivational seminars and reading all these self-help books. And, you know, I was at a seminar and this coach was on the stage and I was like, oh my God, she's amazing. Like, I feel like she's speaking directly to me. I'm going to hire her because I'm serious. And then she told me her fee and the old me that was still using the mantra, I can't afford it would have been like, I can't afford it. That's insane amounts of money for me to be paying. Mm -hmm. But the new me who was saying money flows to me easily and freely, who had made the decision to do whatever it takes was like, damn, now I've got to figure out how to find that money. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the big difference in, in that decision is when you decide you, you change from looking for excuses 
as to why you shouldn't do what it is. Uh, you go from that to looking for ways to do it. So, I, I mean, so I guess, yeah, and then you become you become uh, growth-oriented, solution-oriented, as opposed yes. to a, a fixed mindset, which I think is, is really important. Yeah, um, as a, yeah, opposed to excuse-oriented. Right. But yeah. uh, how do you justify... How do you justify this expansion uh, against the responsible? So you know the I mean, responsible. <laughs> what I mean, like yeah. so, so you have. I mean, you know, I know you figure you have to figure out how to get the money, but some people have financial obligations that would make that um, yeah. not just prohibitive, but but nigh on impossible. Uh, some people have, um, uh, you know, there there uh, there's also there's also charlatans out there, right? So like. Uh, you have to you have to weigh these things, uh, you know, outside of the realm of the progress world and, and in the in the, in the here and now. So how do you begin to do that? Uh, and I and and I, I I hear as I'm saying this how much I'm trying to stay in the logical uh, mm-hmm. justification excuse world. But I do think you know for the sake of people out there like that there how do you begin to break down those excuses that are very very valid? Listen. I'm so glad you brought this up because irresponsible is one of the biggest, especially around money. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and, and it's very justifiable and, and, you know, believe me, like that's the first thing that came to my mind. I was already in debt. I was really going to spend more money on this, but there's another way to look at it too, where like it's irresponsible as considering that I have one life on planet earth as the me that is me, it's irresponsible to stay small. It's irresponsible not to invest in myself. It's irresponsible to think I can't be and do and have all the things that light up my heart and that I'm here on earth to do. So when I saw that amount of money and, and, you know, and I understand like money is, you know, people have big responsibilities around money, but if you're serious and you're investing yourself. It's not like I was spending that money on, on you know, shoes. I was spending it on something that was going to help me grow and make more money. And I had such a battle with that. That was really exactly what was coming up for me was that it was irresponsible. But I had to take a risk. And I was like, I am, I'm, I'm losing time here. I'm in my 40s. Like I still, I'm still living hand to mouth in my 40s. I am done living like this. So I'm taking a risk because everything else I have tried hasn't worked. And I'm going to do every single solitary thing this coach tells me to do. And I ended up tripling my income in three months. Wow. So it's, you know, money is currency and currency is energy. So the energetic that I got into with this money exchange raised me up and I'm not, and I'm not saying by, you know, by hiring a coach, you're instantly in a new frequency and you're going to triple your income. I mean, you got to do the work. Mm-hmm. But for me, I had made the decision that I was doing whatever it took. And that's what the universe sent me. And they're like, all right, this is what it takes. Are you in? And that's how I got past the irresponsible objection. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, it, uh, is there any, and this is again super negative mindset. But are are you at all concerned that there's some survivor's bias in in your perspective? In other words, this worked for you, so it's good. Um, I mean, because I, I, I believe that. I mean, I do believe that there's some instances like with we'll, we'll stay in, in the in the very specific and tangible of the world of coaching. There are some specific instances where people's resistance to being mm-hmm. coached 
interferes mm-hmm. with their ability to be coached and it becomes a totally. self-fulfilling prophecy. And that's what we're trying to break up is this notion of self-fulfilling prophecies, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, so I get that. But there's also, I believe also that there are people that that are just going to be bad fits and that will that mm-hmm. there are going to be people who worked with your exact coach who were, may, who were maybe committed to the process but did not uh, did not make the money that justified the expense. So I... Uh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's risk involved with everything. But if you don't try, you'll never find out. So believe me, I mean, I I did this over and over. I mean, I worked with that coach, tripled my income, hired another coach, basically blew $15,000 because I didn't get anything out of it. And that was my fault. I will take credit for that. And then hired another coach for $85,000. Like I was... Wow. And all of them were the most terrifying experiences of my life, giving that kind of money at the time. Um, And absolutely, you can get ripped off. You can think you're ready and not be ready. But it beats the hell out of sitting around wondering or excusing or playing small. You know how, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got one life. I just I just think that you if there if you if you're not willing to take risks, you're never going to grow. Right. Right. I mean, I think that's I think that's the hard part that we're all that a lot of us feel. And I also think, you know, look, uh, if there's anything that's been taught to us recently, it's that it's that uh, the things that we the things that we believed were risk free are actually very risk heavy. You know, the things that you thought were the safe bet, people are people are getting fired from jobs that they've had for 15 years that they thought were stable employment. I mean, we, we have to acknowledge the fact that to your point, we have one life. If we're not willing to risk it all, uh, and bet on ourselves, then, then we're going, we're going to live a life of mediocrity that's stuck in the same patterns that we're in. Yeah. And if that's not, you know, if that's not going to make you happy, then why else are you here? And I also just want to say there is no stability. Right. That's what like, yeah. that is. We're on a ball in infinite space, people like, come on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So how do we begin to turn this notion of fear of, of moving the subconscious mind of finding this, these, you know, uh, I would call it the path of most resistance, right? Like you're finding this path through into change by figuring out where the most, where the most emotional resistance is coming from in the form of fear. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. how do we convert that into the autonomic? How do we convert that into, into habit so that we mm-hmm. can begin to actually make this fruitful change? Mm-hmm. It starts with the habit of the mantra and it starts with the habit of noticing the thing that you would normally not even consider hiring a coach for one third of your annual income and, and be staying open to it and acting on it if it feels right. So it's the habit of, of scaring the hell out of yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> and saying the mantra and, um, you know, and just, and just looking in a different direction. So actually I, I write a lot in the book about how, uh, one of the main reasons your mantra is so powerful is that it, it opens you up to opportunities that are already there that you can't see because you're so busy proving that your old mantra is true because we, you know, that whole thing you're saying about security we need to feel secure because we are on a ball in infinite space. So mm-hmm. we need to be right about the fact that I can't make money and I can't afford it and all that stuff. So basically what happens is if you are 
focusing on and repeating all the time, I can't afford it, I can't afford it, and that's your habit, and you've got that auto, like, I just can't, I can't afford it, that's what I say. You are proving that that's true in so many ways because of this need to be right. So, you, you know, I'm 40, I'm, I'm living in a converted garage, I, I make however much money I make every week, it's really hard to make money as a writer. Like, all of these things mm -hmm. are building the foundation of your reality. When you shift to saying money flows to me easily and freely, you open yourself up to prove that. So then you're looking for proof of that. And even though it's, you know, finding a dollar on the ground at first or getting some new freelance job out of the blue, but you start to compile proof and you start opening yourself up to stuff that you would never see before because you were too busy proving that I can't afford it. Mm. Mm. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's why the mantra is so powerful because it you you want to be right. We want to be right. It's such a, a, a need. It's such a primal need for us because it gives us security, right? We need to know certain things are real and true and right. And so, so the mantra forces you to cut ties with what you've been proving your whole life and to open up to a completely new and often bonkers reality for who you are at the moment, right? Yeah. And to your point, right? Like you want it to be the most bonkers version of yourself. You want yes. it to be the thing that scares you, right? Like you, exactly. it's got to be big. And it's got to be kind of unbelievable because you've never lived it before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about um, uh, anticipating your excuses. So the, 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 you know, in your 21 days, chapter four, 21 days to a badass habits, you've got a, full, a few days that I think are really important. So we're going to talk about creating rituals, accountability, and excuses uh, when we come back. Jensen Chero, we were just talking about how you create this reality in your mind. And then you, and when you repeat it enough times, your brain begins to find, uh, f begin to find ways to reinforce what you've been repeating to yourself, right? I mean, to, to put it as, as lamely as possible. Yes, you, you, you find proof in your current environment to prove yourself right, yes. Um, and, and, and then we begin to build habits around proving ourselves right in this mantra. And that, that's a big part of, of this book is, is, is creating those habits. It's like a hundred pages of your book is, is this idea. So, uh, some of the, the, the ones that I really want to talk about is like, I, you know, before I was starting to push back on you with excuses and it's not even my journey. Uh, so <laughs> we all have excuses. We all have things that are going to stand in the way of making change. Otherwise we wouldn't be where we are. If we, if change was easy and comfortable, we would have done it already. So uh, how, how do we begin to anticipate what those excuses are? Is it another journaling exercise? How do we get into that? We, yes, I think it can definitely be another journaling exercise. And, you know, often a lot of the habits we're trying to change, we've tried before and failed. So that's an awesome gift because we already know what our big excuses are going to be. You know, I've tried this and failed before. I'm lazy. I'm, you know, I'm going to give up. I hate exercise. I, you know, whatever. We already know our story around it. Mm. Um, so that can be very helpful. But if you haven't tried it before, just, you know, write down again, stream of consciousness. What are your, your fears around it? What, what do you think is, you know, what do you think you're going to knock out of the park and what are you afraid of? happening yeah you know you, you brought up something there like you, you brought it up to exercise right uh you know i i, I hate exercise etc one of the things we've talked about before in 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 uh, on the radio is this idea that um if you want to start a new exercise routine don't say i want to start a new exercise routine you say i am a runner yes um, 
I am, I am a gym rat. Uh, and you begin to say it in those terms as opposed to, I want to start doing this, but I don't like it. You know, we, we, mm-hmm. we're basically baked into this notion is a, is a, uh, uh, is an excuse. So I, I, I really mm-hmm. do, I want to dive a little bit into how to um, pull that out and why that works so well, this idea of, of, of creating mm-hmm. the identity. Well, a couple, a couple things. First of all, if you think about the word want, to want for something is to lack. Right. So, so um, subconsciously you're saying I lack, I'm, I'm lacking at being a runner. <laughs> so I just think that's just kind of an interesting, you know, realization about the word itself. Right, right, right. Right. Um, the other thing that I talk about in the book that I think is so important, this is one of the most, the biggest things that I was really excited about writing about is, is this identity piece and identifying as the person who's already embodied this habit before you have. And it's exactly what you said, like, I am a runner, you know, instead of I'm going to try to start running or for me, another big one for me was smoking. So when I, when I successfully quit smoking, believe me, I unsuccessfully quit smoking (laughs) many times before that. Um, When I successfully quit, I, I stopped thinking of myself as an ex smoker who was trying to quit. Right. Instead, I envisioned myself as someone who was super healthy, who took great care of her body. Mm. So what this identity does is, you know, when, when, you know, inevitably I go out and have a couple cocktails with some friends, which was, you know, when I would always break, right. Um, I would, I would never even enter into the negotiation of being, well, you know, I'll have one cigarette. It's not going right. to kill me. <laughs> that's the negotiation. That's where the dam cracks and you are screwed. Right. If I'm somebody who's super healthy, who takes care of her body, I don't even consider that any more than I would consider drinking a bottle of vodka for breakfast because it's not who I am. Right. Right. You're so, not a person who smokes. I am. I am. I, right. I'm a person who takes care of myself. I am not yep. a person that would do this sort of thing. So that's, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. I, I, that, that dovetails nicely into this idea of creating rituals mm-hmm. uh, around, the, around your new purpose, right? Like, so there you, have, there you have a mantra, an internalized self-identity that, that, lets, you, that, lets, you cre- that lets you break apart an old ritual uh, and create a new one, right? I don't smoke when I've had a couple of cocktails, which, you know, if you've ever been a smoker, that's one of the hardest times to quit that. And after big meals, everybody talks about that. Mm So, um, there are rituals associated with the bad habits as well as rituals associated with the good habits. How do we begin to create those rituals, uh, around, around our self-identity? You know, anything that, again, um, brings up some kind of emotion or focus or, you know, just locking into it that just really feels good is really what I think with ritual. So, um, and the thing that I love about rituals, you know, lots of people light a candle when they sit down to meditate or, you know, if you're writing, sometimes making a big cup of tea before you sit down, sort of like it, it, it announces that you're beginning something important and it sets an intention. And I love this idea. It's like Marie Kondo. Marie Kondo like rings a little bell before and after she sits at her desk. Oh my gosh. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. So, so it, 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 it gives it, you know, it gives it a bit of a container Mm -hmm. and, but it's this intention that's just, um, you know, we're not just like sort of flopping around and at the at the mercy of our, our bad habits and at the, just sort of at the mercy of, 
whatever's going on around us, right? Mm -hmm. We are setting an intention. We are in control. We are consciously moving forward in a way that is benefiting ourselves and we're making a note of it. And that's pretty awesome because I don't think that we take a lot of time to pay attention to the fact that we're showing up for ourselves, that we're investing in ourselves right now. And we're investing in the things that light up our hearts. And that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a huge deal and it's what we, it's what we all crave right now, right? Like we, we've lost our sense of security and we're realizing that our identity is, is, is in something new and, and we have to figure out how to pursue that, that truest version of ourselves. Uh, you talk about accountability methods um, on day 16 that you have to ex- establish these accountabilities. And that's part of like one of the things I love about, you know what smart goals are? Uh, no. They're, uh, they're uh, simple, measurable, attainable. Um, I can't remember what the R and the TR, but it's like this idea that you, ha- and, and the last one is time sensitive, so that you have to have, you have to have a time frame for you to complete mm-hmm. the goal. Otherwise they're just a, a wish. Um, and so, uh, you know, you, that's, that's a big part of your day 16 creation of, of habits is this establishing your accountability methods, um, which, mm. which I, which I really like, um, mm. how do we begin to, to sort of organize some of these ideas of self into deadlineable things? Well, we, you know, I'm trying to think what what do you do you know the exact name of that chapter so that I can speak to it uh, better? Day sixteen, um, establish accountability methods. Oh, oh, really? Is that what I wrote? Okay, yeah. there we go. Um, okay, so that would be um, you know getting an accountability partner, you know setting up you know having a a call with somebody every day, every other day, or somebody who you're just you know really sharing um, accountability with, um, you know. I was, I used to do this thing where, with the smoking thing it, where I made a bet with somebody that it was a one-way bet, but I was like, listen, if I have a cigarette, I'm giving you $500. So they didn't have to do anything if I didn't do it. But, um, but yeah, so I made this one-way bet. I also think, um, signing up, you know, if you, if you, if your habit, your new habit's going to be that you're becoming a singer and you're going to sing every day and you're going to take singing classes is to book a gig and that will keep you accountable. You know, there's so many ways to, to hold yourself to what you said you were going to do uh, that really works. So I think it really is just a matter of sitting down and taking, it's so funny, like everything I talk about in this book takes maybe four to five minutes Yeah, and we really don't do it. And I think it's so funny because we always, I don't think it's funny at all. Actually, we, we make these huge dramas out of everything when, when you really pare it down, like I've got so many emails to answer. It's like, really? How many? Like, Mm -hmm. and how long will it actually take to answer them? It's like, that's where overwhelm comes from is vagueness. So I am always screaming and yelling about specifics. So write down something, one or two things, specific things that you're going to put into place to keep yourself accountable and then go do them. And, so, and like calendaring it, you know, the, the, there's yeah. this great story that I think embodies so much of what you're talking about. And uh, I'd heard it before, but it's come back around for some reason. Uh, um, uh, Jim Carrey, uh, he, mm. you know, he watched his dad go broke doing something he hated. He said he was the funniest guy ever. And so he, he made the exact same promise that we're talking about. He, he said, I'm going to make a living doing something that I love. And he had written for himself, he wrote a check to himself for $10 million for acting services rendered. And he wrote it with like three years in advance, right? And in doing that, uh, 
I believe he said he says that like a couple of months before he that check would have ex- would have come due would have expired or you know the date on the check he got the offer for Dumb and Dumber for ten million dollars, like so Crazy, specific, right? so yep. time sensitive, uh, and 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 such a pie in the sky thing at that point. You know, I I don't I don't know where he was in his career at that point, but it wasn't ten million dollars a picture. It wasn't even right. a million dollars a picture. <laughs> Yeah. So, so it, you know, uh, I feel like that that notion that swinging for the fences really embodies what you're talking about, um, you know, in in every way. Absolutely, yeah, you know, and that that really is, um, you know, and then subconsciously he had planted a seed, right? So he wrote that check and he carried around it in his wallet mm-hmm. until it came true, right? It was like this ratty old thing by the end, but it was always there. And it was always, you know, it was almost like a mantra, right? It was still, he was sort of repeating it just by having it with him all the time. It was just this knowing thing that he probably didn't believe 100% right out of the gate, but he kept focusing on it and kept nurturing it and kept growing it until it was real. Yeah. And you're looking at it every day and you're thinking about it every day and you're touching it every day. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, and I I think that's, so would you say (laughs) that that's where you begin to break up the old concepts and begin to create this new version of yourself you begin to create the new you yeah yeah i think it really does start with with your thoughts and beliefs and your words and i remember back in the day when i started doing out all of this work i was like come on Mm -hmm. there's no way that's really so powerful there's no way i could be still living in a garage at the age of 40 and that's all i had to do But it really is. I mean, again, of course, you have to do work and take action. But this piece is so profoundly important. And I think especially with habits, it's overlooked because I think when we when we set out to start new habits, we only focus on the actions we're taking. So this mindset piece is epically important, too. Well, look, to your point, Jen, when you when you begin to internalize these notions, the actions become much clearer. The, yes. the, it's, it's like, uh, I don't know if you ever watched, uh, I loved this show elementary or Sherlock, like all the Sherlock Holmes shows. And when Sherlock starts to piece things together, the little things highlight, you know, they, it's, oh, it's I've it. never watched it. Oh, that's uh, great. So when he, when he sees the stuff, he sees like, it's like, he sees the, the little measuring, uh, thing on the, on the countertop and the, uh, and the used tea bag and the whatever. And then he puts together his narrative and you're like, Oh, Wow. Uh, but it, it's like that. Like if you if you can internalize these positive self thoughts uh, or, or, and these and and these reverse notions of yourself that have kept you stagnant, those little right. highlights will happen when you look around. You'll be you'll see. Like to your point, it won't be like, "Huh, I found a dollar." It'll be like, "Wow, money does flow to to me." Oh, uh, you know, there was mm-hmm. already money on the. Um, on the meter when I went to go park, so I didn't have to pay for parking. Exactly. You know that starts yep. to highlight in your life, right? Yep. Right. Uh, yeah. And and you begin to reframe, and then uh, like to your point, that begins to reinforce itself, and you end up making these these huge changes. And I think, um, you know, uh, uh, all of these changes and reinforcements and happiness things, they they, uh, you know, your last chapter is the audacity to be yourself. Um, I just imagine the audacity of being your full self all the time and not allowing the the thoughts of your parents, the thoughts of your of of people that told you you couldn't do it in the past. Imagine not having any of that in your head anymore and just being that version of yourself that didn't have those those um, governors on your on your engine. And that's right. and that is wow. I mean, that, if that doesn't get you going, 
you know, uh, I don't know what, to, what, what will. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jen, thank you so much for your time today. Jen Sincero, the book, Badass Habits, Cultivate the Awareness, Boundaries, and Daily Upgrades You Need to Make Them Stick. Uh, link to where you can buy that in the show notes. Definitely check it out if you would like to make some serious life change, folks. Uh, beyond that, Jen, where can people follow up with you? They can go to jensincero.com or youareabadass.com. That's, they'll take you to the same place. Links, also on Instagram. Yeah. Links to both of those websites and Jen's Instagram in the show notes. <laughs> one last question, and I ask it to everybody. What is one thing we can all start doing today that will make our lives a whole lot better? Do something that scares the hell out of you every day. Yeah. And your life will change so quickly. Seriously. Wow. Yeah. I know. And I hate to say it, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what you need to do. And you don't do you mean like you don't mean like skydiving. You mean like uh, a life choice that you wanted to do but you're scared to do. Unless skydiving is the life choice <laughs> that scares that you want to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Jensen yeah. Jarrow, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. This was so great. That's it for our show today. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you like the show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. It makes a big difference when you guys do that. It helps us out a lot. Uh, if you would like to follow up with us, facebook.com slash John Tesh is where we spend most of our time. We go live there all the time. We're doing stuff uh, multiple times a week, all kinds of videos, all kinds of interaction happening there. Uh, also, John is on Instagram at John Tesh underscore IFYL. I am Gib Gerard. You can find me at facebook.com slash Gib Gerard or at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. I try to respond to every mention of the show, every DM about the show. Uh, I've even had some guests on that you guys have recommended because ultimately I do the show for you guys. So thank you so much for listening. <laughs>